This is a podcast from SPH Radio. Welcome to Much Ado About Sports, where we explore the roles of industry experts in the APAC region and how their respective organizations are adapting to the market. In Tales of the 6-5, we'll chat with Singaporeans who are shaking up the sports industry. All this while debating current issues in sport. Much Ado About Sports with Adrian Abraham. Coming up in Tales of the 6-5, Team Singapore athlete Alan Lee explains how he got into compound archery and why the 2017 Southeast Asian Games will always have a special place in his heart. Now, in part two of this episode, sports broadcaster Shazad Haq joins me to talk about Liverpool ending 30 years of hurt by wrapping up the Premier League title in record time. Alan Lee is the name, compound archery is the sport. Great to have you on board, Alan. How are you? Very good, thanks, Adrian. So let's talk about the type of archery that you compete in. It's different to what we've seen at the Olympics, compound archery and recurve. Can you tell me quickly what is the difference between the two? Okay, uh, compound archery started off as hunting equipment. So it's the one that people will associate with the Rambo bow, the one that Sylvester Stallone used in Rambo, the one with the wheels and the cam. So basically you get bigger, more power from the bow compared to the recurve. So far, what has World Archery done is that they're trying to get compound into the Olympics. And I think we will see its debut supposed to be in the 2024 Olympics. Yeah, I'm sure you can't wait for that to happen. But let's talk a little bit about how you got into compound archery. Was that always on the agenda, you know, growing up? Or were there other sports that caught your eye? Let's say football or other sports that you felt sort of drawn to at a younger age? Or was it archery all the way through? No, it wasn't because, uh, you know, it's not a mainstream sport in Singapore. So if you had asked me about compound archery or even archery about five years ago, never would I have imagined that I would be representing Singapore in archery. I actually bought my first compound bow back in 2009 and only shot the bow occasionally for about two years before the bow was packed up and forgotten and storage for the next five years. And when was it that you felt, you know, I can take this seriously, like I could make something of it and pursue yeah. compound archery? Sometime in early 2015, I had a phone call from a long-lost friend he needed a teammate for the annual NUS indoor competition. So after training a while and after the comp, I realized that mentally I had an itch over the other archers in Singapore, probably due to my sniper training in the armed forces. I then signed up for the national trials and made it to the team in 2016. We're in conversation with Alan Lee. He's a Team Singapore athlete who represents the nation in compound archery. The 2017 SEA Games is always going to have a special place in your heart. Singapore's first medal in that edition and you beat Indonesia 226-225, a third seed Indonesian team, might I add, and Singapore shot their personal best score of 233 in the semi-finals to eliminate second seeds, the Philippines, who managed a score of 227. Can you describe the feeling of embarking on this giant killing run? This came as a complete surprise to me and the team. For me, it was my first major competition, and my goal was just to match my training scores during the competition. During the comp, the only thought that was going through my head was my shooting process. Only after the finals did the result of my performance actually impact me during the immediate interview. That was when I realised that it was Singapore's first medal for the 2017 SEA Games. And it was also Singapore's first SEA Games medal for compound archery. Now, what does it mean for you personally to represent Singapore as an athlete? 
for me, I had actually represented Singapore in dozens of shooting competitions during my 25 years service in the SAF. But the pride I feel wearing the Singapore flag and hearing the national anthem at competitions is just out of this world. I mean, it's something that you actually have to experience to know what it's like. Now, away from compound archery, how do you spend your time? Do you have any interests or hobbies that keep you occupied? Well, competitive archery takes up most of my time. I had to sacrifice many of my hobbies like fishing and radio-controlled sports. I still take a weekend off from archery training to go fishing with the wife just to take a break, you know, to prevent the archery training from becoming monotonous and, you know, a chore. And how have you dealt with such challenging and uncertain times posed by the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, the past two months during the circuit breaker, I've been focusing on my mental training a lot. The good thing about visualisation or imagery is that you can practice it anytime, anywhere, and it actually helps, especially during competitions, high-pressure situations. And going forward, are there any immediate plans to compete at any future events? Is that on the agenda or are you staying away from competitions for the foreseeable future? I'll still be, even though, you know, I suspect that most competitions overseas and local will be cancelled due to this COVID-19 pandemic. But I'll still be training for competitions because you still need to maintain the form and you still need to maintain your technique. It just gets rusty. Your muscle memory, you just need to sort of get it ingrained in you again. And finally, what advice can you give to young Singaporeans who want to get into compound archery? Okay, besides training with a good compound coach, which I find a lot of mistakes that Singaporeans are doing is that they don't want to pay for a good coach, right? They should get a good compound coach who's able to spot, have to take a third-person perspective, third-person view of what's going on with your technique, with your form. So you should get a good compound coach and spend some time on mental skills training, which I find is very lacking. At the international level, everybody's technical skills are on par. Your mental toughness, however, can give you that little itch in order to best your opponent. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Alan. And joining me on this episode of the podcast, look forward to hearing great success stories from you, similar to the 2017 SEA Games, once this whole pandemic kind of blows over and we can get back to the new normal. Great to have you on, Alan. Thank you so much for your time. No worries, Adrian. Thank you very much for having me. You're listening to Much Ado About Sports with me, Adrian Abraham. And today, the sports broadcaster, Shazad Haq, joins me back for a very interesting conversation. And there's only one place to start, even though it hurts the both of us. Liverpool have won the league after 30 years, their first Premier League title and their 19th English league title. Shazad, your thoughts? Adrian, uh, good to be back with you. Yeah, many congratulations uh, to Liverpool. Despite the fact you and I are not uh, fans of their club, I think we have to give credit where credit is due. It has been a superb achievement for them. And, uh, you know, long-suffering fans, 30 years of hurt for them to finally taste the one, the one they really wanted. They have won plenty of trophies, of course, in those last 30 years. But the one that has eluded them has been uh, the league title. And uh, it's a culmination of uh, fantastic work, uh, not only by the players, but, of course, uh, Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, let's talk about Jurgen Klopp. He came into Liverpool, where he took over from Brendan Rodgers, who was sacked. 
in October 2015-16 that season and the sort of transformation that he's had on the club the players that he inherited when he first joined the club the likes of Martin Skirtle, Simon Mignolet, Mamadou Sacco, Alberto Moreno just to mention a few he had Coutinho, Lalana, and then you look at the team he has now particularly the front three with Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino not to forget their leader from the back Virgil van Dijk that's 75 million pounds they paid Southampton now sounds like an absolute bargain if you look at the impact he's had on the club these crop of players, I mean, you do have to, you know, pay credit where it's due. They've been the best team, well, this season in the league. You know, the facts are out there. They have beaten every Premier League team this season and only lost to Watford in the league. And now they've won the league with seven games to play in record time. It just speaks volumes of the impact that Jurgen Klopp has had on the club. Absolutely. Look, you know, what a tremendous turnaround. He's, he's been a transformative coach, hasn't he? Because when he came in, uh, Liverpool were slightly in the doldrums with uh, under Brendan Rodgers. Uh, they finished that season in 10th. They still sort of struggled, didn't they? In the first couple of years under Jurgen Klopp, he was trying to find his rhythm. He has overhauled that squad. You, you mentioned when he first took over the players. And I think it's quite interesting and in a way quite ironic when their first game, uh, his first game in charge was against uh, Tottenham Hotspur, that was in October of 2015. Also, coach regarded as transformative for that club, and they play similar styles of football. Now, none of the players starting for Liverpool that day are at the club or are regular starters anymore. Whereas if you look at Tottenham, seven of their players are still with the club. So he has really refreshed and regenerated Liverpool, and I think that's been a really important part of this. You've mentioned uh, some of the players that have come in. Obviously, a lot of people talk about the influence of Alisson in goal and Virgil van Dijk in defence, who really plugged two big problems for Liverpool. He identified those problems and he fixed them. And quite often, <laughs> it sounds such an obvious thing to do, but many clubs struggle. Again, I picked on Hotspur, the club I support, so I, I follow them very closely. They've known where their problems lie, but they haven't been able to address those problems. Whereas with Liverpool... Um, there's implicit trust in Klopp's team, his two assistant managers, and he's also got Martin Edwards, uh, his sporting director, who he's very, very close to, who's had a big impact at the club. So I think a lot of it, while it's been delivered on the pitch by his players, he's also had a very, very good team around him. And that has really contributed towards uh, the success that Liverpool have had. And we also shouldn't forget Mike Gordon, uh, who's got the second biggest equity stake in the club and can be described as a managing owner. He, too, has played a very big part with the, with the signing. So, you know, when it comes down to preparation, he's so meticulous. People will remember, of course, he brought in a, a throwing-in coach. I mean, that, that's virtually unheard of. He even brought in a surfer at the start of this current season to help with motivation and help overcoming fears. Because I think a lot of people will feel, you know, Liverpool have been excellent in the last couple of years. In fact, remember, they fell agonizingly short last year by just a point. And that was perhaps uh, Klopp felt that that was one more hurdle. They just had to get over the fear of fear itself. And he has managed to do that in leaps and bounds this season. It just shows you're going to get out of the club what you put into it. But one of the other players I've been so impressed with this season is Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, an yeah. academy product, straight through the graduate system, and to excel at right-back, particularly going forward, he's involved in literally almost all their goals. 
with assists, with his free kick abilities, his corners. If you remember last year against Barcelona, that quick corner he took to Divock Origi. And that too, at his age, to have such a big presence. I mean, probably future Liverpool captain one day. But he's just been outstanding. I mean, and also Jordan Henderson, someone who's been plagued with injuries as such. And Jurgen Klopp has found, you know, he's got the best out of Jordan. And he's made him, you know, captain of the side, a leader. And he's delivered with both goals. And he's just, you know, he has that presence in the dressing room that just motivates the team alongside Virgil van Dijk. I think, you know, you picked a, a good player then, Jordan Henderson. He was signed, of course, by Kenny Daglish in uh, 2011. He had a lot of doubters, remember that, even under Klopp at the start. A lot of people still did not really give him, uh, you know, much credit. Um, but, you know, Klopp has stuck with him. And, of course, now Henderson's formed reputation unquestioned, really. So this is the effect that he has uh, on the players that he retained. And he's brought in players. They've all bought into his philosophy. I know that is a word that is overused in football. Uh, but this is a man who's really instilled in the team. And, you know, a lot of people say that uh, a team often plays in the image of the coach. But it is he is an entertaining man, and so are his Liverpool teams. You know, they play this rock and roll football that he, he loves to say, the gegenpressing, pressing, uh, the counter-pressing that they're known for. And it, it is a delight to watch from a neutral point of view. If you just put on your impartial hat for a second to, to, to watch Liverpool in full flow at the moment, I think is something quite special. I think the question now, of course is the next question. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Club World Cup. He's uh, won, of course, the Premier League. Now, can they continue? Can the hunger continue? Of course, you look at the teams under uh, Sir Alex Ferguson and how they started an era, a, a dynasty. Can he now continue to do that? Because I tell you what, uh, Liverpool have done this. This will stir up the emotions now. This will get uh, the clubs like your Chelsea's and your Manchester United's and, of course, Manchester City. These are three clubs with means who will be bruising at this. There's no doubt about it. It'll, it'll be really bruising to them, particularly, I think, to Man U, uh, who have really fallen away in the last year since uh, Alex Ferguson's departure. And um, I think they'll be, you know, you'll be seeing, I know we've got COVID and I know we've got statements from the club, but we're not going to be spending the same kind of money. But I tell you what, this will hurt. This will hurt a little bit. And they are going to come back or try to come back with a vengeance. And of course, City... Uh, will also want to make a point or two, especially if they are not going to be competing in the UEFA Champions League for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, and my final point I want to say is, as good and as brilliant Liverpool have been this season, the other top teams in the league just haven't cut it this year. They've been poor. I mean, you did mention City. To lose as many games as they did this season, they were never really in it with a shot. And the games they lost as well and drew, I mean, in fact, it just came as such a surprise. City, having won the league last season... You know, Liverpool did take them very close. Reminds me of something that happened under Sir Alex Ferguson the year before he retired when City won the league on goal difference. Fergie, the next year, he went and brought Robin van Persie and United won the league, which just shows that all the clubs, they will feel the impact. The Chelsea, we know, they've gone out and bought Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech. It'll be very interesting to see what the other clubs do because if they don't, and I know given the pandemic as well, funds might be tight. But if they don't spend, then Liverpool could end up dominating English football for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, that's a distinct possibility. Let's also not forget, as much as the English clubs around them are going to try and strengthen, let's not forget there are clubs out there who will be looking at these Liverpool players as well and thinking, can we pinch uh, one or two of them? You know, Obviously, you're thinking that the likes of uh, PSG, but more importantly, uh, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, right? They'll be looking at these guys thinking, 
we want some of that. In fact, look, I know Jurgen Klopp has committed his future uh, and extended his contract, but you know all these guys, including the manager, will be definitely on the radars now. They'll want some of this. So um, as much as we all want to say, uh, especially Liverpool fans, no, no, they'll stay loyal to their club. Uh, they'll do the right thing as far as they're concerned, and they, you know they'll stick with the club. At the end of the day, this is a job for these guys, and um, uh, the money could be a temptation for them to uh, move elsewhere. Let's not uh, romanticise all of this and think that uh, players stay loyal to clubs uh, for anything outside of money reasons. Um, of course, they want trophies as well, and yeah, if they feel that they can continue winning trophies at Liverpool, then they'll want to stay as well. But let's not forget money does come into it. So, um, you know, it's about how uh, well uh, Jurgen Klopp can retain his players. He's got the loyalty of them at the moment. So I think, um, you know, at least another season or two uh, for Liverpool. But it'll be really, really interesting to see what the other English clubs do in the next couple of months. It certainly will be. Well, thank you, Shazad, as always, for your time and your invaluable input. Now, this topic did hurt. However, it had to be done. But congratulations to Liverpool. 30 years of hurt and finally an English league title after that long. Their first Premier League. They've joined the likes of Leicester City, Blackburn Rovers You know, on one Premier League title. But let's not forget, they do have 19 league titles. They only need one more to catch United, who have 20 at the rate it's going, I wouldn't put anything past them to do it in the next year. United have been just unpredictable, to say the least. But it'll be interesting to see what the other teams do in the upcoming season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't wait to see the new season. Hopefully, we'll have things coming back to normal as soon as possible. And uh, look forward to having football regularly back on our screens with fans as well, when that is safe to do so. Much Ado About Sports is a production of SPH Radio. It's hosted and produced by Adrian Abraham. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcast, and streaming on Google Home. Listen to more of our podcasts at sphradio slash podcast. And if you have feedback for us, send it to podcast at sph.com.sg.